Welcome to the Big Human Toolbox. I am Randy. And I am Todd. Today we'll be talking about strategies for big human, little human relationships. Come and join us at our dining room table as two professionals share insights, knowledge, tools, and strategies with you. So I am the way I am, and I'm a researcher, and so I researched each of these steps. And in thinking about them, I thought, how would I implement it if I was a parent or maybe if I was working in a facility where I was dealing, you know, with kids on these needs. And I'm a very visual person. And so I decided that I was going to create a PDF for you guys. You can find it on my Teacher Pay Teacher store. Um, I'll just do a nominal fee because it took me some time to put together. But I have a list of all the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And then each of the needs we're going to go through, I'm going to share a quote from some some people or a couple of people that I found. And then we're also going to talk about different strategies that we can do. And then there'll be some goal pages that you could use with your little people. So the first um, step is what we're going to focus on today. And we're going to focus on our physiological needs. So remember, those are your air, water, food, shelter, sleep, and clothing. So the first one we're going to focus on is air. And my quote is um, from Laura Ingalls Wilder. She said, some old fashioned things like fresh air and sunshine are hard to beat. I love that. So um, looking at the National Research Center for Health and Safety of Children and Early Education, they gave some specific things that kids need with air. They said air quality can impact health. It can lead to decreased lung function, asthma, bronchitis, emphysema, learning and behavioral disabilities, and even some types of cancers. So some strategies to help your kids get more air um, is to build in time for children to get outside and play. I know as a child, my mom would kick us out of the house and say, go play outside. And that was definitely something that I do with my child because I want him to be able to get that fresh air. Um, also, if you notice um, air quality issues, take steps to fix them. So that may mean that you need to get a humidifier for your home. That may mean that I'm looking at the air quality index and maybe I don't send my child outside because the air outside is worse than it could be. Well, and this is a little bit different in talking about air, right? But one of the things is, is that technology and other things have happened um, and one of the things with air is that um, we can be sensitive right to different things and so a couple things come to my mind with this concept of air and that is be mindful of the air around you, the odors, right? Little humans, they don't have filters. And so 
if they smell something that they think is horrendous, they're not going to they're not going to tell you, they're not going to minimize that. They're going to say that to you, right? And so it's more just about being aware and mindful um, of what's around you. Be around, be be mindful of the smells, right? Because like, for example, if, if, if you're going into a place, right, or about to go do something and you know that the smell is going to be different, then you might either want to front load your student or your kid um, because you know they may have a reaction. The, the other thing is, and this is this point has really been, my wife has really um, been phenomenal in this, is that we're very sensory type kids, right, people. And so having the right smells can also be helpful. And so one of the, the modern day things is um, doing the senses, right, having the um, having a, dis- a dispenser in your house that, that dispenses things like lavender or peppermint or different things like that could also be a big thing. Um, and, and, and creating the right environment around you. Like, for example, in my office, I, every day I have lavender, right, that comes in the air. And it just, it's a way, it's another layer of helping people feel safe. And so you may look at this and be like, okay, air, whatever, whatever. But in reality, remember, we're an onion, right? And the more layers that we are aware of, the better we can be. And so that's just some small ways, like opening your window and letting fresh air come in your home, right? Lots of different, these are just little things that will add another layer to relationship building. And as you were talking about that, I thought about something that I hadn't even thought about was the breathing and teaching your children how to breathe. I think that sometimes we forget that breathing itself, especially deep breathing, needs to be taught. And so if your child has a hard time with stress or anxiety, Um, there's a couple of different strategies that you can use. Um, One of my students really likes star breathing, and so I created a star for her. But she just takes two fingers, and as she goes up anything, she breathes in and out as she goes around the star. And that really helps her. There's also balloon breathing, where you put your hands on your belly and they breathe in like it's a balloon and then breathe out and expel that air. And so definitely breathing can be taught. I know that seems so silly because that's, you know, one of our first things that we do naturally, but definitely that deep breathing to be able to calm, especially if they have anxiety or worry or stress is definitely a thing. Well, and I also think two for two things. Number one is um, there's a lot of there's a lot of truth behind that because when you breathe from your chest and you just do that kind of heavy breathing, it actually will increase your anxiety, increase your impatience. And so, for example, as when you're working with little humans, you're going to always come across these different um, situations that, that are going to be frustrating. And so sometimes maybe breathing is not necessary just for them. 
maybe it's just for you. Because remember, your little humans are tape recorders and they can remember everything you say and every facial expression that you have. And so sometimes you just learning how to and take a deep breath, right, is so vital. The other part, too, with this, it reminds me of of uh, something that, that we've done in our own family is when teaching breathing is it's also about making it fun, right? And so there's this really cute um, Elmo video um, that's really popular way out there, but it teaches about belly breathing. And I've used that video like a lot. Now, out of the hundreds of times I've shared with that, do I really walk away feeling like the kid is going to start breathing that way, right? But at least what it did was that it's a place of connection. It allows something hard, like a tantrum or a panic attack or an argument to now become something connective. And it can be something just humorous, right? Um, you can now use that as a way to connect versus have it deconstruct you. And so everything we're going to do, breathing is a very powerful part, but it also is a way that we can be connective and it can help us be grounded in situations that are tough. And I can include that in the show notes. I think definitely normalizing that also, that breathing is okay. So I have a funny. One time I have been working on my breathing as I keep breathing deeply. Sorry if you guys keep hearing huffing and puffing, you know, when we're thinking about these. But I took a deep, deep breath and my son instantly said, what's wrong, mom? (laughs) And I said, well, nothing's wrong. And he said, well, you breathed. And I think teaching them that even us as big humans sometimes need to breathe is important. Um, Our next one that we're going to focus on is water. Um, The quote I found was from Audrey Hepburn. It said, water is life and clean water means health. So some strategies looking um, from WebMD, looking at children's water needs. Toddlers need two to four cups of water. Four to eight years need five cups. 9 to 13 years needs 7 to 8 cups and 14 and over needs 8 to 11 cups. So some strategies is definitely keep water bottles handy. Encourage water consumption before juice and soda. Um, Especially if your kids have a hard time with drinking water, you can do some fun cups or different straws. Has definitely helped in our house. So again, going back to what we talked about last thing, uh, podcast was that Randy is going to kind of go over the the conceptual thing and then and then I'll kind of do the the hidden thing and here's the thing about this concept of water right we hear about water drinking off water every day and so some of you may listen to this and just go okay are you my doctor right like are you reinforcing this but there's some really important truths to it right so go back to what we I talked about earlier which is what if it can't happen inside of you, it can't happen through you, right? And what's the truth? Water is healthy. We do need water. All of us need water. And it's a layer of helping your kids focus on what's right and what's healthy. And if you think about it, 
if you as a big human don't enforce something as simple as water, and if you don't focus on something that's healthy and you kind of dismay it and you maybe don't structure in that sort of drinking and and you we just kind of allow our kids drink whatever is that potentially leading us down a path of being passive versus proactive and and are we are we walking down a path that is leading us to do more minimization in our parenting or could something simple of structuring water lead to stronger habits in the future, right? It's always better to construct an onion versus deconstruct it, right? When the problems happen. And so again, something small can lead to something big. And the absence of something small can lead to an absence of something big. Yeah. And I know in our own personal life, it's really easy to just have a bottle of water for my son that he carries around in his backpack. It's always there. He always has it. Um, Also, if he hasn't drinking very much water and he wants to drink maybe a soda at dinner, we tell him he has to drink a specific amount of water first. I know at school, um, because of pandemic, we couldn't use the water fountains. And so I just got those little bathroom cups. Oh, my Lanta. You know how many cups my kids went through? Just because I think part of it was because they were fun, but also they got their water intake because they all drank them. And then I had to say, you need to start keeping these cups because I can't afford to keep buying you guys cups and they would specifically keep their cups and they knew where their cup was and so just making it a normal routine or a part of life really helps um now we could talk about kids with special needs because definitely there are some kids who will not drink water um unless it has some flavoring and i think that those are some special things and we All of these things we could do a whole episode about. But I think we're just giving generals today. And then if you do have some of these problems that you're like, hey, we need some more help, just let us know through social media. And we can create an episode talking specifically about that. And I think just real quickly, behind everything, every suggestion, there's a principle, right? And the principle of air or water or having, you know, drinking enough water is... Putting something that is needed or healthy over something that is convenient and maybe not as healthy, right? That is a very important principle that we want to live. And how many times do our kids struggle with that? They struggle with doing what they want to do versus what's best for them. And this is a small way of starting that. I'm going to do what's best for me first. Then we can then do something that's not as good for us. So it's not just about the water, which is very true, but it's also about 
the hidden message or principle behind what we're doing. And that really hit home because I think that's a big human problem and a little human problem. Like I struggle with that, especially with our next one, which is food. Um, So I don't know if I can say the name very well. So it's Anathalim Bila Chevron. Anyway, they said, tell me what you eat and I will tell you what you are. So this is a hard one with for parents. This can be a battleground um, while helping our little uh, humans. So some of the strategies are start young, offer a variety of choices, um, invite them to help in the kitchen early, give children a say and respect their needs, wants within your limits. Um, encourage exploration and make sure the special needs are addressed under the watch of a pediatrician. I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer right now, but I have had so many special needs kids who, because of their preferences, eat Pringles and red juice (laughs) because that's what they In their mind, that's what they do. And they don't eat anything else. And that is not healthy or good for those kids. It's not healthy or good for anybody. And so especially if you have kids with special needs, you definitely need to seek help if you are struggling with this problem. And there are people who are behavioral specialists who can help with this specific problem. But just letting that go isn't helpful. And so on the PDF, I'm going to link on my Teacher Paid Teachers page. There's some specific food recommendations. I'm not going to go through them here. But I think part of the struggle with kids is they have their own preferences and their own tastes. And I think... As parents or a big humans, we can be careful where we draw those battle lines. But also make sure that there are parameters. Well, I think this is, Randy, as you said, I mean, we could literally spend hours on this, right? And so. One of the things that you probably have heard from mental health professionals is is you have to in 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 um, parenting you have to pick you know you have to decide what battles you're going to pick and and this is a very layered topic because again food is very important and to be honest we're responsible for the young people in our lives, for those little humans. And we know that there's a lot of danger in poor food consumption. We see it. How many of our youth, right? And, and even myself, um, struggle with obesity and, and, and health. And I would honestly say that Food is a battle that you have. It is. Now, we can always talk about what that looks like. How do you structure that? And I think there's some certain um, principles, but there's some basic things. There's some myths that I would like to just 
quickly talk about, right? So one of the olden myths is you have to get your plate clean, right? I don't know if that's something that I personally follow. And this just comes from my own personal preference because for me, I want my young person or my little human to be able to get a sense of their body. Now, sometimes they'll take a bite of food and say, I'm done so they could go play, right? And so you have to be careful of that. But I really want to help my young person or my little human to be able to understand what their body means. And if we force them to eat the whole plate, and if they're really full, then we could be doing something that later on could really affect them. We want our young little humans to be begin to trust their bodies because let's be honest, how many big humans trust their bodies, right? And so another myth is, and I hear my grandma's voice in the back of my head when, when I say this is you have to eat your whole dinner before you can go and play right? Or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, depending on the type of kid that you have, and at least for the kids I work with, motivation's everything, right? And so there are going to be times when a kid can come down and sit and eat and only have enough emotional capacity for 10, 15 minutes. And then it's just done. And, and so for me, I think it's okay to say oh, you can come back and eat that. Now you now, the only thing is you have to make sure that you come back and you make sure they eat it. But I think, as Randy said, there are some overarching rules and guidelines, but then there's a lot of flexibility in that as well. Because is it really about them complying to you, or is it more about helping them feel safe for them to know that you want them to eat healthy. You want them to eat the right nutrition. You want them to be able to um, be able to trust their bodies and be able to have a healthy idea or a healthy, healthy sense of connection with their bodies. Um, I think the other aspect too, that it's hard is um, what are you eating? right? It's hard for you to expect the kids to eat healthy if you're not eating healthy, right? And I think it's, you know, what it says, what you are is what you eat. And, and here's the other struggle is, is that people don't know a lot about fruits and vegetables and, and, and fruits and vegetables are expensive, right? And so just do your very best. And if you can't always afford to have fresh fruits and vegetables, then try to have similar things. Try to have, you know, canned vegetables or, or, or canned fruit or those types of things. But it's really about, it is about the physical need of getting proper nourishment, right? But again, it's also, it's a sense of safety. It, it really is a sense of safety for a kid to know or a little human to know that you're going to help them do what's right and that you're going to work together on making this happen. Yeah. Um, there's so much like we, we could go on and on about this, 
but we have to move. <laughs> so I am, our next one is shelter. Um, William Bennett said, home is a shelter from storms, all sorts of storms. I love this one because I grew up in a very loving, caring home. And usually, 99% of the time, my home really was a shelter from the physical storms, but also those emotional storms and those sad storms. So children need basic things to feel safe, warm, and out of the elements. For example, you will need at least 8 by 10 or an 80 square foot room for up to two children. Additional children may require more space. Where I found that out is I went and looked at the foster um, care guidelines. So strategies ensures children have their own space that they and they care for it. I did grow up in a house where I had to share rooms with my sisters, but I still had my own stuff and my own space. Um, if a change is going to happen, front load those children. But remember that big human problems should remain big human problems. So there are so many times, I might get teary here, but there are so many times at school where a child shares a big human problem, which is not their problem. Yes, they are affected by that problem, but they don't need to know all the ins and outs of that problem. So front loading is a big deal for those kids. Let them know, you know, we are going to have to move. We're not sure where, but you will be taken care of. And help children remain grounded in their space, whether that space be a tiny little apartment mm -hmm. or a mansion. The children need to be grounded in whatever space they're in. And I think I think there's a couple different things. I remember a story of one of my good friends when I was in uh, high school, and he really was a great friend. And but something hit me, is that I took for granted what a shelter looks like. He liked coming over to my house, and one day we were over by his house, and he wanted I wanted to go and hang out with him. But he was embarrassed because his home didn't look like mine, and it was different. I think it's something we live in a world where it's very inflated. How many of our youth right now carry around them $100 cell phones, iPads. You know what? We all live in a very socially diverse world. And I think what Randy said was very important. It's not about the size of your home, but it's what your home feels like. So no matter who's listening to this this message is that it's okay if you have lots or little, but what matters is what you do with it. It's about making sure that they're warm. It's about making sure that they're fed. It's about making sure they feel felt. Um, 
Dan Siegel is a very well-known um, brain dude. And that's what he talks about. It's about helping people feel felt. And so whether you have a whole closet full of clothes and toys or you have something small, it's just about helping kids feel felt. Provide the little preferences they can. Make sure they have good pillows. Make sure they have good beds. Make sure they have good jackets and clothes. And here's the beautiful part. If you're not able to get some of that stuff, I promise you, there's so many resources out there that can help you find those things at little or no cost. And I promise you by helping them feel felt by giving them the basics, a nice bed or a nice jacket and just making sure they feel felt and warm will go a long, long way. Um, as you were talking, I just remembered a wonderful book, which I would highly recommend. I love it. It's called The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. And it talks mm. about a young man in Africa and how he overcame some of these struggles. He didn't always have food. He talks about a famine. He talks about how his family didn't have electricity. But one of the things was he was loved and supported and he had shelter. Now his shelter was a dirt floor and not very nice, but he had that shelter. And so it doesn't have to be a mansion. Start where you are. Make sure your little humans are taken care of. And then move on from there. Um, and this young man did amazing things by harnessing the wind. So there's a plug. You should read that book. Just for fun because it's really good. Sleep. Oh, Muhammad Ghani said, when I wake up, I am reborn. So different kids need different amount of hours of sleep. And so I looked at, um, I think it was the Sleep Institute. I'm going to have to blow it up on my notes here. Oh, the sleepfoundation.org. Um, toddlers need between 11 to 14 hours of total sleep every day. Preschoolers need between 10 to 13 hours of sleep every day. School-age kids, 6 to 13, need between 9 to 12 hours every day. And teenagers, 14 to 18 years old, need between 8 to 10 hours every day. So some strategies to help establish that good sleep is to create and establish habits, um, create a stable sleep schedule and a pre-bed routine, Give children a chance to use their energy early in the day so that they can unwind. This is another one that we could spend forever on. No, and I and I just think that the 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 plug that I always say is as a big human, how do you treat sleep? Because how you treat sleep is how your kids 
most likely will treat sleep. And it, again, it's about doing the right thing. Sleep is not just from, you know, the time you go to sleep to the time you wake up. Sleep is something we should focus on all the time. And sleep is so important. Someone that has sleep apnea um, and who didn't recognize it until four or five years ago um, can testify the importance of sleep, right? And here's the thing too. Bedtimes and, and waking up in the morning and bedtimes can be some of the most challenging times for our little humans, right? Getting up in the morning, not sure what's going to happen for the day, going to bed, not sure what's going to happen, being alone by themselves in their heads can be difficult and hard. And so it is about sleeping starts with every day, right? How's our home? How do we manage each other? How are we connecting with each other, right? How are we dealing with stress? And then bedtime is about creating rituals, right? Rituals and traditions are so important and anyone can do this. These are so very vital. Our kids need structure. They need the more ambiguity you can take out of their lives, the better, right? And so the idea is create a pattern. You know, like at eight o'clock, we start doing family time for us it's scripture time right and then it and then you know at 8 30 it's about you know going in bed and 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 there's a routine right so there's a a, a night light that's turned on to a certain color there might be some um, sensing stuff being put in the room but then there's a sense of um, story time story story tell stories whether you read them a book Randy does that. We all do it differently. Randy tends to do it by an actual book and by reading a book and they have their own books and it's a way they talk. It's, it's a huge thing, right? Or I just make up things, which tends to be me and, and we do that stories, but it's creating structure. And then we even have little phrases we say as they go to bed, right? And all this stuff creates structure. It creates safety. Um, the other piece that I would add with this is Think of yourself as a big human and think about what you do to go to sleep. We take this for granted, but each person sleeps differently, right? You have to have so many pillows on your head. Some people sleep with pillows between their legs. Some people have to have the right temperature in the room, right? Like I tend to like it colder, rainy, like it kind of hotter. Do not take that for granted with your little humans. Make sure that you are helping them discover how they want to sleep. And if they want to sleep in certain types of clothes, right? Or they need to have a certain type of like a, a bed or structure or stuffed animals or whatever, help them create their own structure or their own preferences do not overlook their preferences right because it's so like if i don't have exactly what i need to sleep i don't sleep well don't overlook that for them make sure that you are taking care of that for them yeah and i think sleep 
like you said, sleep and waking up is definitely a very sensory experience for a lot of kids and a lot of little humans and big humans. If I don't have my right blankets, it's hard for me. And that's the same way with little humans. They need those things. And then also, when you were talking about rituals, I just thought about how those can be a form of connection. Mm-hmm. So for instance, my son and I, we read Fable Haven. And in one of the stories, there were brownies that were in the house. And so they said, good night, sleep tight, don't let the brownies bite. And so that became something that my son and I say. And it reminds us of us sitting together and reading stories together. But it also is something that helps bring us connection and if I forget to say it my son makes sure that he says it and it's a way that we are connecting and so it brings some bonds and so use this opportunity to a not only get sleep but b create those bonds but there's one thing that with Randy when you say that it also says one more thing it says I'm safe I'm secure I'm felt and I'm heard, right? Do you see how by layering all these little things, it gets back to the main core of I'm heard and I'm felt, and that brings safety. And that's what we're already looking at is how do we increase the feelings of emotional and physical safety? Um, The next one is clothing. Um, Aloy Block said, what do you actually need? Food, clothing, and shelter. Everything else is entertainment. And I really like that quote because clothing is such a thing that we can use as entertainment. (laughs) Because my son prefers to have a specific YouTuber's shirts because that's what he likes. But... That is more of entertainment than necessity. And really, we're talking about necessities. But as we're thinking about our little humans, again, likes and preferences are nice, but we need to weigh out that with the needs and preferences of families and communities. So let your child's style shine through, but make sure you have established parameters and that they are set. Be consistent with fashion rules and expectations reserve the right to have ultimate veto power but use it sparingly establish weather rules and be aware of sensory needs and try to work to compromise where both parties win i cannot tell you how many times we have to talk about whether shorts are going to be a good thing to wear when it's 40 degrees outside (laughs) But having some weather rules definitely has helped because I can just look and say, hey, buddy, it's 40 degrees outside. And he knows automatically, oh, I can't wear shorts during that weather. So it helps to negate a lot of arguments. Well, and Randy just does fantastic with that. She's been kind of the queen of coming up with those, you know, specific needs. Um, and, and I think here's just here's the balance with when it comes to clothing and Randy brings up so something so important is that, and this is the same guideline for everything, 
Is it really about the clothing? No. It's really about are they being taken care of? And, and I can't tell you how many times I've seen kids without socks on. And I know that may not seem like a big deal, but it is a big deal. And, and so it's about making sure that they have clean clothes. It's about making sure that they have the appropriate clothing that they need. And as a parent, that's, that's the biggest thing, right? But, but then, for example, does it really matter if your kid likes one shirt and wants to wear it every other every day? No. Now, I might then instruct you to make sure that they then wash it every day, right? But I think as, as parents, remember that you have to let it be. Give them their preferences, right? Like the amount of money that, that I would have to spend on Michael's for clothing for school. If I went and, and just took that money and bought clothes like at Walmart or something like that, he could have more clothes, right? But that's not what he wanted. So I told him how much I had to spend on school clothes. And that only got him three or four shirts. But you know what? It helped him feel safe and secure as he went to school. It made him feel okay. And, and that's the balance that we need to focus on is we have to do the right thing. So there's a parenting module out there that says that if they want to go and wear clothing, right? Like if, like Randy said, it's 40 degree weather, let them wear shorts, let them be cold and then let them come back and say, okay, that wasn't a good idea. Now, to some degree, that's not a bad philosophy. But at the same token, who's the parent? And are you providing safety? Are you letting them know it is below 60 degrees, you are going to wear this. Now, I don't care whether it's jeans or a sweater, like a sweatpants. I don't care what it is, but it's got to cover you. It's got to make you feel, it's, it's got to keep you warm. And I think there's a very fine balance there. But remember, it's all about helping them feel safe, secure, and felt. And so remember, it's not about letting them find out on their own per se. It is also about setting this established boundary of pattern. My parents are going to make me do what is right. And that principle provides a sense of security that will help them feel overly attached. Not overly, but feel them attached and secure. And that's what you're looking for.
Yeah. So to review um, the physiological needs were air, water, food, shelter, sleep, and clothing. And if after listening to this podcast, you are thinking, oh, there's some things that we can do that's better. I recommend you sit down, depending upon the, obviously, depending upon the age of your children or their mental abilities, you can talk to them about, okay, here's what we're going to do to help us get better air. Here's what we're going to do to help us get better food. And here's some of the small steps we're going to do. And I really recommend you just take one small step. Um, I kind of laugh because this has become like the mantra since Frozen 2. But what is the next right step for your family or for your little human beings? Whether you're a teacher, whether you're a professional, whether you're a counselor, whether you're a parent, what is the next right step for your little humans and how can you bless their lives? Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for taking time to build your toolbox today. If you enjoyed today, please like, subscribe, and think about leaving a rating and review. We also love comments. If you know of someone who could use the information you learned today, please share. We appreciate your time and support. Please follow us on social media. The links are found in the show notes below. Also remember to share your funnies with us. I can't wait to hear your funny stories. See you you next time time on on the the Big Big Human Human Toolbox. Toolbox.